Which website did Chewbacca get arrested for creating? Uh, that's pretty good, dude. <laughs> WikiLeaks. Uh, nice. <laughs> nice. Uh, all right. Are there, I wonder if that one shouldn't have a not suitable for work tag on it. Yeah, true. <laughs> dude, is, dude, dude, you've got a you've got an impressive Wookie sound, man. Why don't you do that one again? <laughs> <laughs> now, now everyone listening is trying to do a, a Wookiee impersonation. I, I can't even try. Like, <laughs> I'm not even going to. Yeah, it's, it's it's terrible. All right, so we're ready whenever you are. You're listening to Coding Blocks, episode 37. Subscribe to us and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, and more using your favorite podcast app. Visit us at codingblocks.net where you can find show notes, examples, discussion, and more. Send your feedback, questions, and rants to comments at codingblocks.net. Follow us on Twitter at codingblocks or head to www.codingblocks.net and find all our social links there at the top of the page. With that, welcome to Coding Blocks. I'm Alan Underwood. I'm Joe Zach. And I'm Michael Outlaw. And let's go ahead and get started now that we're back. Uh, Outlaw's finished setting up his class in uh, Call of Duty. So oh we, can get, we can get to the episode. Oh. That is so inaccurate. <laughs> that is that is not a fair representation. Uh, so we got we got some fantastic reviews um, from anybody. Saltoth, Saltoth, I don't know. And Screcker, um, both excellent reviews. Again, thank you very much. It you guys don't even know how much that means to us. So we very much appreciate it. And they, those names, by the way, would also make excellent heavy metal bands. <laughs> Screcker. Love it. Uh, okay, so um, this uh, episode, we've actually got an episode up front, or sorry, a poll, rather, uh, up front, rather than coming up with that out of the facts. So um, we've got a uh, really important question that we would like to know uh, how you guys feel about. And um, given uh, the uh, movie recent movie release, we want to know... Which one's awesomer, Star Wars or Star Trek? And does this count for the original Star Trek or also Star Trek The Next Generation? It's all Star Trek. Yeah. The good see, and the bad. It's, I mean, this is where like the Trekkies are always saying that Star Trek was better because there was so much more of it. Mm, right. Yep, that may not be the case anymore, though. Mm. Well, At least, uh, Disney's got like a movie coming out every year. Star Wars. Yeah, but they got a lot of catching up to do. I mean, Star Star Trek had how many different seasons of shows? Like there, there's a l- lot of back catalog there for Star Wars to catch up on. There's a lot of bad back catalog. <laughs> oh, I, I don't disagree. <laughs> Wait a second, you're trying to skew the results. We can't do this, guys. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, totally a Star Wars fan. I mean, uh, over Star Trek. No but, way, man. Really? No way. It's Star Wars. Is it's a bunch of guys like you know. Ganking the swords like it's it's silly <laughs> star trek it took on real social issues and made a positive impact in people's life he it totally, opens he, minds he totally doesn't believe what he's saying right now yeah no, i don't I'm know totally, maybe uh well, well, who's star uh, trek, man captain kirk uh shoot i can't think of his name maybe that's why i'm not as much of a fan of star trek i can't think of his name either james tiberius <sighs> kirk yes there you go <laughs> uh yeah all right, so on to well, no, that you just said his real name, his his character name though. What you was didn't his say real? His, like, William Shatner. Yeah, yeah William Shatner. Shatner. There, there you go. Is. The guy who does oh, all he, the uh, what is it? The uh, Priceline, Priceline, and the USA or the uh, 
oh god what is it the models or uh miss america things now the pageants or whatever what yeah that's that's like all he's done in the past decade or whatever it's kind of weird uh i never watched those so no man i'm sorry chris pine has taken the mantle chris pine chris pine makes captain kirk look good right (laughs) <laughs> yeah the reboot the reboot's good i, I do like that I, do, I like the new movies they are good we'll give you that so uh you know joe something smells fishy <laughs> <laughs> man it does you know called out immediately this is so frustrating like you know any other time an autocorrect would just bother you to no end, but apparently I put out a tweet the other day that was like, hey, what's the worst cod smell that you've ever seen, right? <laughs> One guy's like, yeah, when I when I forget to leave the things and, and I leave them out of the refrigerator, I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me, man. Really? <laughs> the one time you needed autocorrect and it failed you. It, it did fail me. Yeah. So, yeah, I was talking about code smell. And somebody brought this up to me the other day, and it kind of drove me crazy. And I, I want to get you guys' take on this. Um, so it was said that static methods reek of code smell. And I was like, wait a second. What that, what does that mean? Hold on a second. I mean, this is a construct of your language. So, but, but the, I guess then again, you could also say it's like global saying variables. a plus equal sign is a code smell. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. Like when it's he part said, of your language. And here's the thing, like it bothered me. And so then I went on this, you know, hour or two long, okay, is this really bad? Because think about like your factory patterns and that kind of stuff. A lot of times those are static methods because you're doing a get or something like that. And and so through the reading and discussions and whatever else, I did find it was interesting um, that the one thing that came back that makes sense more than anything else. And it's really the only thing that I could find that, that kind of supported this was if you are using static methods, that means they cannot be uh, interface driven. And so you can't substitute in something. So if you're trying to mock out something like, let's say you're trying to do some test driven development or anything like that, you can't use interfaces to swap in and out uh, like a mock class or something for those methods because you can't, you can't have an interface for for a static method. So, yeah, see, okay, this is in the same similar kind of vein for me as the whole singleton thing, right? Or like the hipster yep. coders like, oh, singletons ah. are bad. And I feel like I feel like this is the same kind of thing like, you know, hipster programmers over there are like, oh my god, static methods are bad. And and I don't necessarily think that they're bad. Like if you have a method that has nothing to do with state, right? Then why have multiple copies of that thing floating around, right? Like it can, it can safely be a static method and even resharper, by the way, will, you know, warn you like, Hey, this could be, uh, this method could be static, right? It'll, it'll want to make that method static if it can be. So why not? Yeah. I mean, it it makes sense to me. Joe, you're about to say something. Yeah, I was just going to say, um, you know, I, I think if you aren't uh, modifying any sort of internal memory, you know, if, if your method can be static, then that's kind of a sign that you're breaking encapsulation by modifying some other objects, you know, data. So it's kind of a sign that you're not doing things very OO, for better or for worse. Yeah, and, and that was the other thing, right? So I, I threw out the one about you can't use an interface for it. The other the other argument I saw that, that held a little bit of water was the... The whole, 
if you did it in the more OO way, like let's say that instead of if you had a factory that had some sort of get method on it, instead of making it static, if you had that factory as a true object, you could then extend that factory. So I think we talked about this with the factory uh, with the I think it was called the factory method pattern back in one of our design pattern discussions to where you could have a car factory. Right. And then then you could have. Well, first you're going to need a hammer factory. You need a hammer and then you need a hammer of hammers and a bag of hammers. But but if you wanted to take that a step further and then now you say, okay, well, now we're going to have a Ford factory. We're going to have a Chevy factory. Those can extend it. And now that get method can also be extended. So, so that makes sense from a true OO perspective. But I don't know. Just when I heard that a static method was a code smell, I was like, that doesn't... I, like it was the first time I'd ever heard that said, and it really kind of bothered me because I was like, "Wait a second, that means you're kind of." I, I guess my point though is like everything has its place. So right. if you, if you're if you're taking the extreme that you know this is always bad, then that's when it's like, uh, no, it's right. not always bad. There may be bad uses of it, right, of a static method, but that doesn't mean that every instance of a static method is bad, right? And that's kind of what I was getting at, and that's that's one of the things. Like I, I don't know. In programming, people a lot of times like to take a hardline stance on what is right and what is wrong. And that's well, not, we are a, an opinionated bunch. Oh, there's no doubt. <laughs> is there another career that is more opinionated than programming? Surgeons. Maybe. <laughs> Theirs might be a little bit more factually based, right? Yo, if you cut that, he's going to die. <laughs> I don't know. I just saved your life, therefore I am awesome. Interior but, design. But you know that's that's just uh, interior design. <laughs> true, you're right, Joe. You got us. It is true. I mean, um, uh, what, what, plastic surgeons—they just take stuff out. They don't even care what gets left behind, right? So, um, anyways, uh, so yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not sure how that related. <laughs> that was a weird transition from yeah. interior design to plastic surgeon, but well, okay. You know, Back like, on the rails. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it really is. Um, it's just like the singleton. So you're either changing someone else's internal state or you're doing something like writing to disk or database or something like that that um, doesn't really affect your application and uh, which means it's going to be harder to uh, you know mock because you've got a dependency now that you can't put behind this interface wall. So I, I would say you know, it is a smell, but that I'm a smelly programmer and uh, I write <laughs> as many statics as anyone. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think that the use case though that you're thinking of like where you might write a static is kind of weird. Like I'm thinking of some kind of a, you know, maybe like a math operation that's not going to change and you just want some static method to, to represent that or, you know, to calculate, to do that calculation for you. Like you don't need that thing, you know, in copied over in multiple classes over and over and over, just have a static reference to it. Well, that makes sense. Kind of like if you're doing a math type class, right? Where you know that you're doing an addition, a subtraction, like there is one and only one way to do those kind of things. So that kind of makes sense right there from what Joe said. Like if you include a dependency to write into a disc or a database or something along those lines, then yeah, that makes a little bit more sense because but now you're kind of, this is where it goes back to my comment there before where it's like, you know, not all of them are bad, but maybe some of maybe some uses are, and this could be an example of like maybe that's a bad use then. Right. So Oh man, you guys need to up your hipster game. Haven't you heard of microtypes? <laughs> yeah, you should wrap all of your primitives behind a class so you can keep everything truly encapsulated and, and object oriented. You are and I do mean 
everything. Google this. I'm not making this You're up. You're kidding. This, no, hold on a second. Yeah, this was <laughs> hot on Reddit like six months ago. <laughs> so, <laughs> tiny yeah, typing. Uh, I, I just like that we got to like up our hipster game. Yeah. This is uh, ridiculous. No, I can't get behind this. And it is truly a thing. It actually comes up in its own little box in Google. That bothers me. Oh, okay. <laughs> so... That that was my derailment for the show. I I just thought you know anytime that that something like this comes up, I think we're gonna, you know, I, I think we want to make notes throughout the week when people say things that kind of tweaks your brain and and it sends you down some sort of rabbit hole. I think that's great stuff for the show, right? Because these are the kinds of conversations that people have, and it's nice having some context. So, you know, reminds me of that wet duck. What? What? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, so in happier news, uh, you know, we're still doing the t-shirt giveaway. giveaway. So, uh, you know, as we said on the last episode, uh, Wade uh, was our first winner. And mm-hmm. so we still have a gray-ish t-shirt to give away. <laughs> <laughs> it's just supposed to be gray. Why is this gray-ish? Did something it was land just, on it? it did, no, no, no. Okay. No. Wow, way to take it to a dark place, man. This is a happy time of it year. It's a bit of light thing that lights It's Star it Wars it. season, after all. <laughs> happy Star Wars. And uh, so we still have the grayish one to give away. And, you know, again, full disclosure, it has been worn. This is a double X uh, Hanes Beefy T t shirt. It was uh, one of our prototypes for, uh, you know, to see what we, we liked from this particular company. And uh, so, same rules as last time. Leave a comment on this uh, show's uh, in this episode's show notes, and uh, we will be drawing a name at random uh, from from the list of names that have commented on uh, in the show notes for this episode, and uh, we will re- you know release the you know winner in an cu- upcoming episode, and uh, look for it on our Vine account because that's where all the giveaway action happens. Yep. All two vines. <laughs> Speaking this, of slacking, this will be the third. <laughs> oh yeah. So, um, I may have like looked through some old shows and particularly old comments on old shows and realized that um, we are bad, bad people. So, <laughs> Nicholas wrote in in the show notes for episode twenty-one. And said, how is the renaming with ReSharper different from the refactoring feature built into Visual Studio? And all he got back was crickets. Because eight months later, and we forgot to reply. So, Sorry, uh, yeah. yeah. Our bad. Sorry, I, I didn't even see that one, but uh, we'll take a stab at it now. So, the main thing that I recall as being different is that ReSharper will also go through commented strings. Oh yeah, and do nice. the rename there as well. So it won't just be the actual classes that are in use, which hopefully you won't have large blocks of code commented out. But if you have maybe summary documentation um, yep. that that needs to be changed as well, ReSharper will take care of that. Very nice. Yeah, that's a very good point. I think it might even do um, variables. Like if you've got um, you know a class say that you're renaming, and you've got um, you know you're say you're you're taking. Um, a car and renaming it to a vehicle. If you've got, um, you know, a private variable called, you know, var car, it'll change it to var car. Uh, var vehicle. <laughs> oh, it's what that, That's for yeah. Stuart. Are, are we <laughs> talking about like, 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 hold on, let's change this. Let's say that the class name is uppercase C car, right? And then your variable will be lowercase car. Would right. that be right? 
yep, and now you're renaming your class to uppercase vehicle, it'll actually search for things like you know, variable names like your previously lowercase C-A-R. It will rename that to um, vehicle. But that and the comments are both, you can you can choose to do that or not. There's like a little checkbox when you do the rename and it sees that sort of thing. Yeah. So, uh, sorry we were eight months late there. But we did get back. I'm going to, you know what, I'm going to go back to, from a couple episodes, episodes ago, there was a poll about who to blame. And, oh, wait, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> that one backfired. Yep. We'll blame on Call of Duty. Well, if it's about that time of year anyways for resolutions, and Outlaw's resolution was to be better about social, so it is definitely his fault. Hey, I think I'm actually... Okay, hold on. Because this, this, is, this is what took me back to the um, to that show note in the first place, is because tonight's episode is on our favorite tools. And uh, so we'll be doing similar to how we did it uh, this time last year. Right. I'll go over the rules in a minute, but that, that was how I found that, how I realized like, Oh man, we didn't even answer this question, but, um, let me go over the rules real quick. So here's the, here are the rules that we're going to have for this. Okay. Uh, we can only pick, we each had to pick five favorites. Okay. And a favorite could be defined as anything. It could be a website. It could be a browser add in. Uh, it could be an IDE add in. It could be an application, a mobile app, a piece of hardware, anything tangible or digital. didn't matter. But you can only pick five. So we each had to pick five and only five. And we had to list them in order from one being our most favorite thing to five being a normal favorite thing. Right? And you can't repeat a favorite from someone else's list. So we each had to pick our own unique list, Alan. And this is where things get a little hairy. Now here was because a new rule for this year. <laughs> a new rule for this year. Hold on. Let me let me interrupt you for a moment there, if you don't mind. Let me just finish my rules. The new rule for this year was that we couldn't repeat a favorite from a previous year. So even if it was your own pick from the previous year, you had to pick a new pick, a new favorite for this year. All right. Now you were going to say. All right. So let's be clear here. So Outlaw created this document oh and happened God. to put these rules in place. I created this document and, a year ago. And, and then after he sends out the note like, hey, I created the spreadsheet. We got some updated rules right, we'll, in there. We'll get to that. And then you come in here and you look at his and all five of his picks are filled out. And then yeah, in the rules, it's yeah, like yeah. you can't pick what somebody else picks. So uh -huh. automatically five of them were off the board, right? Whatever. No, so that's not the way it worked. We're out. just going to start this off, and I'm going to tell you that his number no, one. No, no, no. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> don't be that guy. That would not be nice. Uh, all right. No, because what Alan's talking about is like if we all picked, if we all picked the same thing, if something was that we all wanted in our in our five, then that would mean that it would get moved to the final group of five things that we all like, and but that means that all five of us had to like it. I was in just going to say, Outlaw stole my baby. He stole it. And he's just upset because I got it It hurts first. a little. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll. So. It's and okay. Speaking of uh, programmers being opinionated people, it's hard to get three programmers to agree on any one thing, let alone five. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. You should try uh, <laughs> designing a logo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. That's actually why Joe moved to Florida. He's like, I'm out of here. <laughs> Peace. Take it. Yeah. All right. So let, let's start with the fives. All right, so my number five pick is called Simple Mind, and if you've ever heard of mind map software, it's really just a way to get your ideas out on a canvas. 
and it's really awesome. So I've had this on Android. I think I had it on my Windows phone maybe at one point. And I believe it's even on iOS. And you can buy the desktop version for Windows or Mac. And I think the prices are fairly reasonable. I want to say they're somewhere in the $30 ballpark. But here's what's beautiful about it. Even on the phone, it's such an elegant interface. Like literally you can say, all right, here's the here's my idea. Let's say that you're you're thinking about writing a book, right? You can put the title of your book and then you hit a plus button next to this thing and it'll pop up a new bubble and you type in your thing. And essentially what you'll have is this DNA looking strand where your ideas just kind of bubble out, right? And if nothing else, it's a great way to get your ideas out in front of you so that you can then start refining and putting detail to it, right? And it, it's it's a fantastic tool. It's free on Android. They might have a paid version if you want to be able to sync with your desktop app. But uh, overall, great tool. Love it. Um, and so that's my number five. Quick question. Yeah. Like when I grew up, we did something similar in school called brainstorming. And I've used my mapper, you know, mind this sort of thing before, and I just don't understand why they call it mind mapping instead of brainstorming. Well, I I think the difference is because brainstorming was usually more coming up with a bunch of different ideas that aren't necessarily connected, right? It usually, I mean, it depends on the context of it. Whereas a mind map is more, all right, you have this central theme, and how do you want to get all these pieces branching out from it? Um, that's the only difference. Now it's probably the same exact thing in theory. I mean, yeah, it brain, sounds, it, it sounds scribble. like the difference is lines. It might be like <laughs> it's connecting things, right? I mean, brainstorming was literally just scribbling down everything you could think of on a sheet of paper. If I remember correctly, I would do it like one circle in the middle and then you kind of like draw little circles off of it. And then those circles would have sub circles and you would reorganize. So to me, it's like basically the same thing. That is a mind map. Yeah. I think that is he just described map. a Venn diagram. Yeah. No, not quite. <laughs> no, but that, mine had more lines. Oh, more that circles. is a mind map. Oh, there are some cool ones. There was one on Windows Phone that was amazing. I think it was called Mind 2000 or something. But what was so sweet about it is when you click in it, it was all done in... Uh, uh, what's so the, is that one your number five pick? Or is no, the, it's not. But it was really cool because <laughs> it was it was made in Silverlight because Windows Phone would run Silverlight. You click in it and it would like zoom you into this thing. Oh, uh, it was just up the, the animation bubbles. between. Yeah, them. it was the animations. It, it was totally didn't really matter, but it was really cool. All right, so well, we, for well, one we'll more go. thing, real quick, <laughs> gotta say, I just had to Google this because it was driving me crazy, and um, luckily someone asked this exact same question on Yahoo Answers. Oh well, let's, then I'm yeah, sure that you know, the, the first kind of answer that are, you must know, be these kind of thoughts. Um, but I'd like to read you guys the worst answer. No, I would the, like, well, I would, first no, off, the best it. answer is probably you have cancer. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's interesting. Right, so, what's the worst answer there, Joe? I'm, I'm really. I'm it's curious. probably you have cancer. Well, mind mapping is a system used for better memory, and brainstorm is a breakthrough idea. I think. That's ridiculous. So now that we've got that cleared up, we can move on. Uh, <laughs> th- thanks for doing that. How was Dabby formed? <laughs> All right. All right. So one down for me. All right. So uh, my number five pick is a, a browser plugin called uBlock Origin. And uh, what this works for Chrome and for Firefox. And what it allows it allows you to do is uh, with, this, with this plugin installed, any websites you go to, it will block resources from uh, third-party uh, domains so that you can avoid all of those stupid tracking 
uh, scripts and tracking pixels that are trying to get downloaded. And the, the, the real benefit of having it though is because as a result of not downloading those things, then all of these pages just seem so much snappier because you're not downloading yeah. as much crap and you're not running as much JavaScript as a result. And so you just automatically see the page like it was meant to be. Isn't this the yep. one that like Leo's always talking about? Leo and uh and oh come on. What's his name? I'm gonna I'm gonna sit here and wait security and watch you sweat it. Now. Yeah, security now. Steve What's Gibson. It? Steve Gibson, thank you. Uh th- they are a fan. Yeah. Yeah, I've definitely yeah, I, been to sites on on my phone to where like literally the page loads and you go to scroll and you sit there and watch it try I, to do something. I was a convert because because initially like you know I would hear them talk about it and I was just like, eh, that's probably you know like whatever. You know, I'm not, I'm not really into like blocking stuff, but then I started trying it. I got I got curious. I was like, let me just try this thing, see like you know how how crazy is it, right? And yeah, the performance of it is so like night and day, man. Like like okay, I'll go right now. I'll go to CNN, and on the home page of CNN, it just blocked eighteen requests. Holy smokes! Right, like you know, I, I mean, it, it's it's insane. Like I could go to uh, you know, let's see, Weather Channel. I found there was another one where it was a really heavy one this weekend. I can't remember what it was now. It might have been like a um, oh, I think it was like a Wall Street Journal. Let's try that. So if I go to Wall okay. Street Journal right now, uh. The Weather Channel, by the way, blocked 15. Weather Channel, or I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Wall Street Journal blocked 28. Wow. I got you beat 32 on Yahoo Answers. Really? <laughs> yeah. Well, that was probably all the answers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I mean, like, you think that that's not, that's not that much, but there have been, uh, I think um, Imore had a, had a stat where he was talking about, like, how much a difference it made in the, um, the download, you know, the, the overall... Uh, page size that was downloaded and the difference that it made in the load times for all that. And I mean, it's significant. So, you know, it, yeah. it's a little thing that'll actually make your, your browsing snappier. Even if you are already on a really nice computer with a really nice connection, it, it'll make it even better. The, uh, a side benefit too is if it's blocking all that JavaScripty stuff, it'll probably also save you some battery life as well. Like quite a bit. Because yep. a lot of these just churn on your page because they're all doing set timeouts and yeah, you know, it, it's ridiculous. Yeah, and um, I, you know, I kind of feel like a jerk doing it, but yeah, just the performance just makes it too too good to pass up. So right. you're both using it. You're using it, Joe. I use a slightly different one, AdBlock AdBlock Plus, but I know that's kind of controversial. So. Yeah, AdBlock Plus though, they actually like you can pay to be in their approved list, though, right? Yeah, uh, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, like I have sites that you know run off ads, and I don't make bank from them. You know, they barely pay for themselves, if at all. And so, you know, I, I get the importance of ads, but yeah, you know, I, I can't be sitting there waiting for five seconds for a website to load <laughs> when I don't have to. Right? Like <laughs> he's like, I can't be bothered. Nobody <laughs> got time for that. I got stuff to do, man. Right. <laughs> I need to see my content now. Yo, I got to know the top ten actors who you know, whatever, <laughs> <laughs> married their stunt doubles. Wow. <laughs> wow. Awesome. <laughs> All right. So what's yours, Joe? What, what's your number five pick? Mine is Gliffy. It's a, um, it's a tool from Elastian that's used for um, like just simple wireframes and, um, and stuff like that. I've used a couple over the years, but um, this one's just kind of my favorite, and I, I really like the Elastian color scheme, so that's my pick. Yeah, for anyone who's never used it, you know, you described it as for wireframes. I would actually describe it more like a, a, a 
Vizio in a browser. Yeah, yeah, very similar. Is how I would define it. Yeah, you can do so flowcharts, yeah, diagrams, right. form mocks, yeah. all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I don't love how um, the, the way the, like custom images works. You kind of have to upload them, and it just seems, seems a little, a little but, jerky. But, but the cool like thing it. about Gliffy, though, is that uh, you know when you're done, so you have all this documentation, and and if you're using, obviously, if you're using this, then you're probably using other Alassian products such as Confluence, and so now you have your Gliffy diagram in your Confluence Wiki document, and you can easily export that out as a PDF or a word doc yep. or however you want and it, and it'll format nicely and, and knows how to take care of it. So yeah, it's a nice little add in. One of the cool things though, is you can actually do this for free on their site. Yep. You don't even have to be a member of the Atlassian suite, which is pretty killer because it's not a cheap suite of tools. If you're going to, you know, I feel like I need a little rubber ducky. So every time you say something crazy, I could just be like, what? <laughs> what? Oh. <laughs> we need some sort of squeaky doll or something. Yeah. Um, all right. And then the fours. So my number four would be .NET fiddle. Um, that is been like, well, I, I really come to enjoy it because like if I want to do, and that's .NET fiddle.net by the way. Um, but sometimes I might want to just take my Mac and not have to worry about booting into a boot camp or running a VM to do any kind of C sharp, but maybe there's something small or maybe not so small that I want to like just experiment with and play around with in, you know, C sharp and .NET fiddle.net or, you know, gives me that option, gives me that ability to do it. And so I, I really enjoy that, that site. So fiddle everything. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, uh, you've even used that for some of the code samples on our site, right? Uh, maybe, maybe not. I think I know I, think, I have. I think um, no, because I think the plugin that we use on the site, I've, I've used that more. But I am trying to get away from using that and start using things like .NET Fiddle for that. Because you can see the code live, you can actually run it. Which well, is nice. I mean the the plugin that we're talking about is. Uh, Oh, crayon. crayon yeah yeah and and it allows you to do some really nice highlighting features and that's why i've used that yep. to date so yeah it's pretty good well speaking of uh online things i am a recent converse convert to office 365 and the deal is that you know i've used it for work i've used i've you know used office forever but it's not exactly the kind of thing that i would get excited about but now that I can get it for nine ninety nine a month, um, it you know it's just been kind of a no brainer. That's how much I was paying for Dropbox, and both of them give me you know one terabyte, basically the same service. But now I have Outlook and PowerPoint and all this other stuff that um, makes makes dealing with those um, you know doc files and XLS X's uh, you know a little less painful. Yeah, you missed out on the uh, the unlimited storage option there, Joe. Sorry. Ah. Uh, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I have hardly anything to store. I've got like a hundred gigabytes up there. No. Well, they, so there for a while, like Microsoft kept upping the amount of storage yeah. until it eventually got to one terabyte. And then they said unlimited, but then they realized people were totally abusing it and backing up entire PCs to their OneDrive account. So they decided they would scale it back down to one terabyte. Yeah. But that's yeah. still a decent amount of storage for anybody. So. Yeah. And, and, I, I really and the OneDrive, like sorry, the OneDrive feature, cause I also uh, use Office 365 as well. And uh, I really like the OneDrive feature where everything's just automatically backed up. I don't have to really think about it, you know, when it works, that is. <laughs> yep. And the the rules in Outlook are really nice. So I like a lot of email rules and I like having them kind of shared amongst my various accounts. So it makes it pretty easy to kind of copy those around. Awesome. 
All right, so my number four pick, and, and I actually feel kind of bad for it being this low on the list for how good it really is, is Codecademy.com. I, I think I'd mentioned way earlier in the year that I took a Ruby class on there, and it's an interactive learning tool, and it's really done well. I mean, they make it kind of fun. It steps you through things. You know, it's expecting inputs and outputs and all that. And I learned a lot about Ruby and its, you know, language fundamentals and its structure and all that by getting to go through this course. And it was free. Like, I mean, to the fact that there are tools out there like this for free are just amazing. So um, I, I, it should probably be higher on my list. And it's only because of some other things on my list that it's not. But a fantastic tool. So before we get into the threes, then, because like, um, you know, earlier before we started even going with the fives, you'd mentioned about the resolutions and like how well we've each done with the resolutions. And so here I find it kind of humorous because Ruby was like on my list of resolutions and you used your new pick for my resolution that i didn't do i felt like somebody needed to get one of your resolutions done yeah okay <laughs> well actually no that's not fair because one of my <laughs> one of my resolutions was not to take 15 minutes like get my character class ready in call of duty but it was but what it was though one of them was uh to, to more socialing and I've, i think i did all right with that maybe not the most of anybody but Hey, I between the three of us, I have vined more than the two of you. You've definitely True. not turned into PewDiePie or anything like that. But you mean Cutie Pie? No, the, Pewdie, the guy on uh, the YouTube guy, right? I thought it was Cutie top. Pie. No, no. Oh, the man. number one earner on YouTube. Yeah, dude. yeah, yeah. The gamer, PewDie, PewDiePie, oh, whatever. Yeah, like okay. So. Yeah, man, you need to up your hipster game. Yeah, apparently I'm <laughs> off. Uh, so, um, yeah. Yeah, the that threes. is a little so. Bit so, how are you doing on your resolutions then? I've since we're gonna like out me on my on my rails then. I don't even remember what my resolutions were. I think one I of them might have been in course. Yeah, yeah. I've actually started that. The problem is I've started like four different ones, and that's the issue, right? I'm a I'm a typical programmer. I have like ADD out the wazoo. It's pretty bad. So. So you had, uh, do you want to know what yours were? I just happen to have the page. You, you have it. Coincidentally. Yeah. Well, because I had it up, I had it open for, uh, so I could read Nicholas's, uh, question about the resharper, uh, renaming. Okay. What and, and so you were, you had to create a course to teach others and at least one blog post or video every month. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, I'm. I'm. I think I'm like one out of six for if we're gonna do ratios. <laughs> I'm probably I'm probably one sixth Joe, of the blog video. Do you recall yours, Joe? Uh, no. Yeah, okay. So so then I guess you don't know how well you're doing. Wah, wah. One of yours was to stop whining about JavaScript. <laughs> no, I I had a strong start on that one. And <laughs> the first couple days were pretty easy. And then uh, you also had to write more functional or reactive programs. Um, I am very reactionary in my coding, I will say. <laughs> I don't do I don't, anything until it's too late. <laughs> I don't I think that's sure what you meant. <laughs> and then oh. and then you you went for the extra gold because Alan and I only had two and you went for three. So you had uh, stop saving things to the desktop and to be more organized. At least digitally. Oh, man. Uh, I started really well on that. <laughs> uh, you know, actually, um, 
uh, I, the temp folder thing that I was doing, which is kind of weird, uh, but it's actually worked out really well. I keep a temp folder and I kind of drop all my stuff that would normally be on the desktop there. But I know that everything in my temp folder can be deleted at any time. Like I never put anything there that can't be deleted. That's interesting. <laughs> I feel like he renamed desktop, desktop to temp. Yeah. <laughs> Except that on my desktop, there were you know like there are things that I don't want to delete. There are things that I download or move or I'm okay. working with. And so hey, now by having a temp folder for 2016, I can break you of this of this habit because because yeah. uh, I I'm kind of like the opposite. Like anything that is on, that is on my desktop is trash. It's trashable if it's on my desktop, yeah. including shortcuts, especially shortcuts. If yep. you're creating a program and you and you are writing the installer for that program, and you think you're doing someone a favor by putting a th- shortcut on their desktop, know that I will delete that like immediately. <laughs> I hate those. <laughs> but yep. but here's my my way to break that habit is uh, use your Office 365, and if you want everything to be synced up, then it needs to be in your OneDrive folder. So you just start saving things to there so that it gets synced up to your you know cloud account and you're done. That's pretty nice. Well, I'm bad with um, a lot of like screenshots and stuff. I'll take a screenshot, save it to the desktop temporarily, and I don't need that you know after I email it. Well, that's so, a prime um, example of something that would get trashed immediately. Yeah, yeah. I forget about them, but you know what? I will say on the on the making blogs and videos, I have made some pretty good videos. I think oh, that are yeah. on YouTube. Yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, I haven't made enough. Yeah, but so so I'm definitely the the major Vine socialer between the three of us. You're with two. you're the YouTuber socialer between the three of us. Uh, I guess I guess Joe would win the Twitter award between the three of us because he doesn't make typos like Codsmell. Man, that's ridiculous. <laughs> I attempted. I thought you were talking about Call of Duty when oh, you tweeted that. By the way, so horrible. I was like, huh? It- Call of Duty smell. God, All so. my tweets are kind of two tweets because I go onto my personal account and then retweet or favorite it and vice versa. So, <laughs> well, that's what you got. Like do. every one is two actions. Isn't that what you do? I mean, that's how you do Twitter. <laughs> Twitter's Twitter's like madness. Oh, um, All right. So, let's get yeah. on to the threes. Number These three. are your third favorite pick. Yeah, and this is where I start salivating cuz these are the things that I'm like really excited about. Um and for me, <laughs> this one's a guilty pleasure. Um jQuery injection. This is a Chrome plugin that will insert uh, jQuery into any web page. So uh, this one actually, I have my, this on my wife's computer too. Like she'll go to check out or something uh, from a, a website, and there will be a JavaScript error, and the mask won't go away. So you know, I open up Chrome tools, I'll delete the mask so I can access the elements underneath. <laughs> And I'll kind of poke around. Do the same thing. And I pop in jQuery to help me kind of like search around for stuff rather than trying to look through the source code. So if I'm looking for like button, you know, I'll be like, you know, jQuery, the dollar sign, <laughs> get me all the button elements. I find the one I need. And I'll actually fix kind of websites so she can like check out or I can check out or do whatever. That kind of and, um, scares me a little. I know. And, you know, I also do it for uh, sign up forms sometimes. Uh, like if the button's grayed out, I'll just go ahead and enable it and skip the form. And yeah. it's, it works so often. It's silly. Yeah, totally. So I guess uh, Joe's resolution for 2015 about stop whining about JavaScript, he's won that one <laughs> since he's like finding new ways to use JavaScript but where someone may not have intended it I- to. I'm a little confused though. Like, dude, riddle me this. <laughs> What are you, the Riddler now? Speak to us, Batman. If you were on a website where you're trying to buy something 
and the site doesn't work, yeah, it's you think risky, it's right? a good idea to go ahead yeah, and force a checkout? Shove money in their face. <laughs> hey, man, I support mom and pop websites. Oh, good Lord. That's amazing. Like, if <laughs> Now, he says he supports them. Do you then tell them what the problem was and what the fix was? Oh, do you God. write that? Do you write them a Jira ticket? <laughs> <laughs> I also I try all sorts of crap up. I, there was an event I was trying to sign up for, and I knew it was going to sell out. It's actually Dice Tower Con, it's a board gaming convention, and uh, so I'm like, "Well, the tickets don't go on sale till tomorrow, but there's this <laughs> other event that's on sale now. What if I kind of look at what they do for the one that's on sale now? Change some URLs around, change the IDs, and maybe I can go buy my tickets early. Didn't work, but <laughs> I'm always trying crap like that that doesn't work. And, oh, dude. Uh, this plugin yeah. helps. Dude, I totally did this on Facebook at one point. It wanted my real login information. I was like, oh, no. And you're not you're not having that. Because I didn't want it knowing everything about me, even though it already did. So so I did the same thing. And I was able to log in and register and do something that I shouldn't have been able to do. And it made things really weird from there on out for yeah. that account. <laughs> you might break your account forever. <laughs> yeah, I think I did, actually. But, um, yeah, I, I've totally done stuff like that. It's, hmm. it, But let that be a note to everybody listening. If you do web programming, don't take no for an answer. If oh. you put things in your UI that you think are going to force people to do things properly, you need to enforce all that on your server as well. Because people like us will try to do things that should not be done, and there are lots of ways that people can get around. So you need to make sure that you're enforcing. Your I feel like this rules. is in that like ethical hacking kind of scenario, like m- like maybe loosely kind of because you're like kind of hacking around in it to make something work. You're right. not hacking it to break it or anything, yeah. right? But th- but enabling something that was masked or disabled, like that's definitely it, it, you and know. It's not I mean, they're to... already teasing you, so you're just yeah. you're just unteasing. But make sure you enforce your business rules on the server. If you if you're yeah. trying to do something on your client, just understand that people have access to those. All right. So so my number three thing, and this is going the hardware route. So um, as we all do, you have a wireless router that you know after about five years decides it's going to start dying on you, right? And my, when I was looking, there were only a few that were top runners and I ended up getting the Netgear R7000 router. And this is, I think, I don't even remember what the speed is. It's like 20 something. All the speed. It's fast. It's enough. all the megabits. So here was the thing. It really came down to the Apple airport extreme and this one. And the reason why I love this one is actually a couple fold. One, it reaches everywhere in my house. It's the only router I've ever had in my house that reaches every room in my house. And I have it on the bottom floor. And I live in a, in a split level, so I have three floors. The bottom floor reaches all the way to my top rooms, and, and I have a great signal. That's huge. The second thing is, since I've installed this, I've never had to restart it. Like I've had this thing up for a few months now, and it just works. And that is fantastic. I can't even explain how much I love that. And then the third thing, and I haven't done this yet, but this is ultimately the reason why I went with this router over the airport extreme was you can actually put a third-party hardware on or firmware on it. Tomato. Like either tomato or WDDRT or whatever it is, DDWRT. And the only reason I'm considering that is to be put is to be able to put things on certain subnets so that if I want guests to get onto a network, they can be on their own subnet. Oh, so it doesn't already have its own guest networking built they into it. They have a guest network, but it looks like it talks to your regular network, which seems kind of ridiculous. It's it's more of being able to just give them a guest password so they don't have your regular one. 
Um, and it also will do your, uh, what's it called? The backup, the time machine backup. So you mm-hmm. could actually hook up a drive to it and it will do the regular Apple stuff, which most other routers won't do other than Apple ones. So, um, love that wireless router. It, I use it all the time everywhere in my house and it is just rock solid. And that is the reason why I went with that, even over some of the newer ones, simply because its stability is just incredible. Yeah, I don't remember, um, because, you know, like some of the, I think DDWRT has the feature for the automatic updates, right? Doesn't it? I I think it's similar to the Google one. Yeah. If not, I thought I heard something about like it was coming or something. Like maybe Maybe. I had that wrong. I don't know. Because that that's one reason that I would like that. Like to have an open firmware like that is just the ability that it can just, you know, automatically update. Yeah, yeah. I haven't done it yet, but I'm I'm probably not far from making the switch. Like I said, it has a ton of features, right? Like even if you wanted to do certain logging, if you wanted it like VPN services, if you uh subscribe to like a Pro XPN or something, I think it's built into where you can have that thing run all your traffic through it. Like right. there, there's a ton of features, um, but I haven't done them yet. But again, just a fantastic piece of hardware. All right. So here's my number three and I use this one all the time. I really like this. This is uh, an iOS app. Well, let's just say it's an app. It's available for iOS and Android and it's called hours tracker. I specifically like the iOS version over the Android version. I've used both and, uh, it just felt like there the features came to iOS before they came to Android, so the Android version was just kind of behind. But th- if you have to keep track of your time, particularly if you travel or if you travel to clients and or maybe you work on multiple clients, like this is a nice little utility that you can use to um, check in your your time to work on particular projects. And you know it has nice little features like uh, geofencing. So like as you get to a location, it can remind you like, hey, did you do you need to check in? And you can actually control like how big a radius do you want that geofence to be? Um, you can tag different times. So like um, maybe you have some hours that you've already uh, invoiced your your client for. So you could tag those as invoiced, and then when they pay you, you can tag them as paid. So in within the app, you can keep track of all of that, um, and you can easily like filter through that. And, and, and see all of that, um, you know, on, within the app, you know, f- to sort through like, w- you know, what you want, which hours you want to view, um, within the, uh, from like the notification, it can tell you like when you reach a certain hour limit. So like, if you want to say, Hey, once I've reached eight hours, tell me that I've reached that eight hours, you know, maybe, maybe you're on a fixed, um, time limit, you know, for a particular customer, you can, um, set that you can set what the rates are for that particular client. So, um, you know, if you have multiple clients and each of them have different rates, then you you can say like, Hey, for this job, it's this rate. And then as you're, when you uh, check in for that, it's keeping a running tally of not just the cumulative time, but also the cumulative, uh, you know, dollar, you know, billable dollar amounts. How much is this up free? Nice. Yeah. That's the really great thing. So, and, and like you can round the times off if you want to. So you can say like, Hey, if I check in, just round it, uh, you know, to the nearest 15 minute or whatever, 
you know, you wanted to do or no rounding at all. You can tell it like which clients have, um, you know, what their, what their work weeks are for a particular client, what the, um, what's considered overtime for a particular client or if there is overtime, um, you know, all that kind of thing. And then if any one of those, like if you make some, if you check in, if you clock in right within the app and then make a mistake, like you can go in, undo the clock in, or you can go back and edit things as you need to. Maybe you clocked in for the wrong client by accident. You can come back and fix that. It's real easy. Clock out. All of this can be exported too. So nice. you're done and you're like, Hey, I don't want to lose all this. Let me export. So you could say export the last month to a CVS file and email it to myself or export the entire thing to export the entire database uh, by emailing me the database so that I have a copy of it. You can do all that. There are some add on features that you have, you know, that you can, um, you know, in app purchase to pay for. So I think geofencing might've been one. There's, uh, another one that is definitely, um, uh, a paid feature is the ability to use like, again, if you're on iOS to use iCloud as like a backup resource, I believe, uh, that whole, um, you know, database of all your hours and, and clients can be backed up to your iCloud account. Um, it's got some, it's just a really full featured, great app. And, you know, if you're, let's say that you, here's an example. So like you go in and you, you started your day in the morning, you leave in the evening and you're like, Oh man, I forgot to check out for lunch. But you know what, you know, you know, for a fact that let's say it was from 12 to one, you could just go and say like add a lunch break and, and then, you know, it'll just say like, Oh, okay, fine. 12 to one boom. And it'll add that lunch break in for you. And you can shuffle that around if you need to, but it's just a very well thought out and very polished iOS app with a lot of full features for a little money, like very little at all. Um, and, and that's if you even want those, uh, paid for app features and you can find it at hours tracker app.com. And I love it. Very cool. Uh, right. Aren't you scared to see what you'll end up with? <laughs> what do you mean? Be like how many hours? Uh, you, you know, uh, like on way it was like, oh man, I worked sixty hours last week. Or it could be like, oh man, I played sixty hours of the Call of Duty last week. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, yeah, there's definitely a lot of weeks where I'm like, holy crap, I put in a lot of time. Um, and uh, but I kind of like I kind of like knowing that because it kind of keeps me on my toes. Like even even when I even if you can't bill all of those hours, right. Um, which is often all, you know, a lot of times the case, at least in my experience is that, uh, you know, not all, you can't always bill that. Um, I still like to be able to know just for my own peace of mind, like, um, you know, yeah, last week was really hectic and here's why I can see here that this is why. Right. Um, but if you are able to bill all those hours, then, Hey, amazing. And it'll make it easy for you to track. Yeah. And you got like this really nice, you know, uh, database of all your time. All right. Hey guys, it's Joe asking you to leave us a review. We really appreciate it. And, um, reviews are actually, uh, pretty much our only way of finding new listeners. So we really love it when you guys do that. And, uh, plus it, uh, puts a smile on our face. So please leave us a review. Is it in that order? Is it the smile or is it the, uh, <laughs> the finding of the listeners? I think it might be both. 
I don't know. <laughs> Which, it's the what? only thing that makes me smile. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I guess I, I really got to get better at the social link too, so that we could, uh, you know, find, so the user, more listeners could find us in other ways too. Yes. Yeah. Reviews and interfaces. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is sponsored by Infragistics. The Internet of Things, mobility, and connected systems are driving the need for big data solutions that are imperative to help your users and customers make better decisions faster than ever before. Experts in data visualization, Infragistics developer tools drive custom app development for any data visualization scenario on any platform, and Report Plus is an enterprise-ready, self-service BI dashboard solution that opens up your enterprise big data for end-user consumption. Go to www.infragistics.com and check out for your free trial today. All right, so let's get on to the twos. Yes, so I tried to sneak this one into all our favorites, but somebody kept deleting it. So I mean, yeah, thanks, Joe. It's now my number two is Snagit. Now, Snagit is pretty fantastic for, you. for what it is. <laughs> a Snagit. Um, it's, it's a utility that is available for both Windows and Mac, and it is great for screenshotting and marking up the screenshot or taking little videos. So it's not as full-featured as like ScreenFlow, which was one of my choices for last year. If you need to take a little video to show people in your organization or shoot something off to your manager to show them how things are working, it is a great way to be able to just record your screen, speak over it while you're doing it, and then send it off. It doesn't allow you to go in and edit your videos or anything like that, but if it's just a fast one off, it's fantastic. The markup tools are excellent, and it's pretty inexpensive. I want to say... It's regularly like 50 bucks on Windows and Mac. Like buying the license, I think, gets it for both. <clears throat> I may be wrong on that. Um, I'll have to go back and check. But when I upgraded Parallels this last year, they were offering a bundle. And this is for anybody that does use Parallels for Mac. Every Thanksgiving around Black Friday or Cyber Monday, they offer some sort of crazy deal, a bundle of software with it. So I was able to update Parallels to whatever the next version was for 40 bucks, And I basically got this and, you know, seven other pieces of software along with it. Love the tool. I use it every day. And it is it is a fantastic little piece of software. Yeah, you snagged this one for me. I, I actually forgot that I bought this. Like, I didn't realize that I paid, like, a lot of money for it. I mean, I'm happy about it, but... Man, it's expensive, but I use this absolutely multiple times a day, and it's fantastic, and it keeps you out of paint. It really <laughs> does, yeah, and that's huge, right? It, yep. And I mean, would you agree? Like the markup tools are just fantastic; they're so easy to use. Yep. Uh, my only gripe with it is that um, you can't really go back and, at least, I don't know how to go back and edit things that you've done before. So, like, if I took a screenshot and you know added a couple text bubbles and some arrows, and I saved it, it saves it as um, you know, basically an image or some other file format, I can't like go back, you know, to something I did yesterday and, you know, fix a typo. I have to like kind of redo that screenshot. Interesting. I haven't run across that. I'll have to try next time and see what works, but yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's, it's a great tool. Yeah, it's fantastic. All right. So my number two, I, we've never, it's that funny because we just did the tools for developer show and, and, we haven't mentioned, I've never mentioned this one before, but 
it dawned on me like this is definitely one of my absolute favorite things. I love this thing. It is the bag that I use to carry my laptop in, right? Like everybody needs a nice one. And you see a lot of people like often, I, th- I remember like Targus was one that you would see a lot of people have those bags, but I eventually got tired of those things. Uh, like they just always seem to break down and didn't last as long. And, and so I decided like, you know what, I'm going to treat this like as you would any other piece of luggage. I'm going to get a nice piece of luggage for it. So I got a Briggs and Riley uh, backpack called the Verb. And I have had this thing now for, man, it is going on 10 years. And to look at it, it doesn't even look 10 years old. And they still sell this laptop, although or this bag, although the current version is uh, a more updated version of it. But it's still, you know, if you were to go look for Briggs and Riley Verb, they still sell a version of it and it is a fantastic bag and it is guaranteed for life. If there's any problem with it, they will fix it. No questions asked. They will fix it. If something needs to be restitched on it, then they will. I remember like the, um, when I first got it, there was some stitching that needed to be redone and they took care of it. And that was it. I haven't had a problem with it since. And I've used this thing daily. And like one of my favorite things, one of the reasons why I picked this bag over, alternatives was that, uh, especially if you're a road, a road warrior, you know, if you're traveling a lot and you're constantly on a plane, um, one of the things that I liked about this is that it had the slip through, uh, pass for the handle of your main suitcase, right? Your carry on luggage, uh, suitcase to where this could slide down the handle of that. And you only have to pull that one suitcase and you're pulling both bags and, and, you know, it was made to do that. Unlike sometimes you might be able to just, you know, stretch out the, the, the one handle, right. To make it hold on to that, to that, uh, you know, the, your, your rolly cart, uh, handle, but this one, you don't have to do that. It's made for it. It's, it's purposely built for that. And it's got nice support, uh, you know, nice cushions on it, uh, nice little po- you know, pockets here and there for your keys or for a, uh, you know, set of headphones or, you know, nice padding for your laptop or a little mouse pocket and things like that. Like it, it's, it, I, I've been a fan of it. It, it's not now since, since this version came out, you know, they started releasing like the, the TSA approved ones where they like fold open uh, completely. This is not one of those, but uh, it's definitely one of my favorites. And again, a big part of it was because uh, you know, I like the way it, it holds on to your other suitcase, right? So the interesting thing is, so like the Targus ones that you're mentioning, it's not uncommon for those things to be about 70 or 80 bucks. This thing's about 200, a little bit more, a hair over. 210. But the fact that it's got a lifetime guarantee on it, I mean, that's almost right. enough right there to, you never have to buy another one, right? Yeah, I'm I mean, not kidding, man. That bag, you look at that bag right now, does that look like a 10-year-old bag? No, it looks great. Yeah, that's a uh, that's that's pretty sweet. Yeah, and you keep these things forever. I've had my Targus since two thousand seven. Yeah, I think I've had mine longer, and it it doesn't look as good as his bag does. It's held up pretty well, but it's not as pretty. And they, I def- want to know. Go ahead. I want to know if outlaw if you would have bought this bag if it was white or red. <laughs> like, how much did the all black motif influence your decision here? Well, well, it's not all black though. It's got a orange interior, but you never see that unless it's open. Well, no, like all the accents on it are orange. So like all oh, the really? threading on it is orange. Oh yeah, they are. Um, oh, there's a, there's a one I'm looking at. It's the verb, but it's uh it's all black and gray. It, it is. This is the verb. 
But it is, it is, the exterior is black, but oh, it, it does orange. have a lot of orange accents on it. And the interior of the current uh, one that they show on the website, the interior is all gray. Right. On mine, the interior is all orange. And if you okay. were to go to, to the Briggs and Riley website, you would recognize why, because their, you know, theme is, you know, their color is orange. And so that, right. you know, this piece of luggage is, is playing off of that. I, you know, you, you're, you're making a comment about that, you know, the, the color, honestly, like when I w- was looking at this bag, the, it was down between this one and, um, oh man, the name just eluded me right as I went to go say it, it starts with a T, um, uh, big luggage manufacturer, uh, oh my no God. idea. I've never, you, you used to travel a lot, so you know a lot more about this stuff. Oh man, it's killing me that I can't remember the name of that. Um, hey, why is Yoda such a good gardener? I don't know. Because he has a green thumb. Uh, <laughs> Toomey, Toomey is the <laughs> nice. Toomey is the one that I was trying to remember. Um, and uh, you know, I, I I was originally down to like a Toomey bag or this bag, and again, you know, those are both brands that like if you travel, right. If you have to travel, then you these are brands that you are very familiar with. You know that these are you know nice pieces of luggage that are going to last you, because you you want a good strong sturdy zipper that's going to stand the test of time because that's typically what's going to break first, right? There are going to be the things like the zippers or the wheels, and you know you know a lot of other pieces of luggage that that you know, might be uh, less expensive. You know they can get the the you know the big piece of cloth. They can make that strong, but then they'll break at the little at the seams and everything. And and with Toomey and Briggs and Riley, like those are brands that you know you don't you're not going to have that problem with. And so I was down between those two brands when I was originally shopping for this, but um, the Toomey didn't have the lifetime guarantee that the Briggs and Riley did, and so that's why I went with it. And uh, you know it, it really wasn't about the color as much as. Joe would like to lead you to believe. <laughs> well, it's a good thing it wasn't seafoam green. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. It probably would not have been one of my picks if it was seafoam green. Uh, if we're being a hard time. But, uh, I mean, uh, if you guys haven't figured it out by now, I mean, if he spends 15 minutes on his uh, Call of Duty character, uh, you've got to know that Outlaw researches. He does his homework. So yeah. I just added this to my wish list. <laughs> <laughs> you probably won't find a better bag for the money. I, yeah, I believe it. Uh, awesome. Sold. So what's your right, number so two? My number two uh, is the AutoTune app. <laughs> no, <it's not. laughs> his, his album will be out in iTunes. Uh, yeah, the, the tea paintifier. Is he uh, talking about bacon and you know the burger with strength? <laughs> That's right. Um, and, uh, I've got to go with the Fitbit here. So uh, there is a couple different varieties, but I use the kind that kind of slips into your pocket because I always uh, bang stuff up on my wrist and... Um, you know, I got to leave a spot for my non-existent eye watch. You better not but, bang stuff uh, on that wrist. We saw the the stitches you have on your hand. Mm, oh, that looks yeah, painful. Yeah, Frankenstein. Uh, but the Fitbit's great because uh, I can pull it out and it doubles as a clock. But I like that I can see my steps every day. And so it's so easy when you're working you know, on a computer all day to not realize just how bad you're doing. So I know that there's days when I'm tired and I get off work. And especially, you know, I live at home. So like... You know, bathroom, kitchen, office. Did you just repeat. say you live at home? <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> I, I work at home. Some of so us it, do live at home. <laughs> there's days of not. I guess, in all like, fairness, if you travel, then you don't live at home. Uh, yeah, true. 
uh, you know, I'll, I'll look at this thing and it'd be like, oh, I've got 2,700 steps. And you should, you know, the goal they tell you is around 10,000 a day. So I know that even though I'm tired and I just want to eat some pizza, that I should probably take the dog for a really long walk instead. And so it's really good about kind of uh, encouraging me and making me kind of um, or at least gamifying that kind of aspect of my life and, and trying to stay a little bit more mobile. That's, that's pretty nice. I didn't even know they had a pocket one. That's the original, yeah. man. That's I, where they started. Yeah, I never really paid much attention to it. Like all the the watchy ones, those are the newer versions. Huh. Very cool. Yep. All right. So let's get into the number one picks. So my number one pick that Alan so desperately wanted to steal that, from me. That he took because he set is up a document. Webstorm. <laughs> so if if you have to do JavaScript uh, and and you don't want a big heavy IDE. I have really become fond of WebStorm because it has some really great features. It's it's basically like we've talked about ReSharper in the past and all the niceties that it brings to Visual Studio and C Sharp. This is basically like ReSharper for JavaScript. There's so many great uh, you know little tools in there. You know, I think I think it was last episode that I talked about the ability to do uh, find and path. And, and replace in path uh, text searches, um, you know, nice refactoring uh, abilities built into it, um, you know, and then there's, you know, third-party plugins for it. So there's a nice ecosystem for that. It's a, it's a really well thought out, very nice product. I'm very happy with it. Yeah, he stole yep. that one from me. Yeah. I, I really do love WebStorm. I use it all the time. Yeah, we heart JetBrains if you guys haven't figured it out already. <laughs> Yeah, I. You know what? I, did I mention on uh, the podcast uh, previously, or just to you guys privately? I don't remember. If you've purchased a product from from JetBrains, if you go in and look at your download oh. page or whatever, and you go and look at the upgrade, they were doing at least through the beginning of next year, like a special, to where you could upgrade to their all products package. For like two years for two hundred dollars. You're talking about the subscription. The subscription. Right? So if you so right now I don't have a subscription to JetBrains, but I might do it because with this, if you paid two hundred dollars, at least in the link I had, then I would have access to every one of their product products for two hundred dollars for a two year period, which basically would give you IntelliJ, um, WebStorm, PHP Storm, the probably the new database thing that um data grip yeah data grip um i, I mean it, it is an absolutely killer deal and and it gives you resharper dot cover like everything it, it's it's a killer deal so less than the price of just paying for resharper you could have all their tools for like a two-year period yeah i think they're calling that the JetBrains toolbox right is that right i don't remember no no that doesn't sound right I don't remember. They, they did change their licensing model, though. I do recall that. Yeah, you can buy yearly subscriptions now, like a lot of places are going to. Because, I mean, it makes sense for these companies, right? Because if if you just have to buy a one-off and you have to keep paying $200 a year, you're probably going to skip a version or two because you're going to be like, eh, there's really nothing in that next one. But if you can pay a little bit less and they can keep you as a subscriber for years on end, then they're going to make more money over the long run. So. Yeah, and it, they can afford to roll out smaller updates too. You know, so they can just kind of continuously add features rather than doing these big, you know, waterfally kind of releases. Yep. So, all right, what's your what's yours? Uh, what's your number one? 
Um, I'm surprised we haven't mentioned this before. Spotify. Um, it's uh, I think it's twelve ninety nine a month. I might do the family plan for seventeen ninety nine a month uh, dollars. And uh, it's just awesome to be able to to search and find playlists by other people and all sorts of artists. Like I, I own a ton of music and I've bought all sorts of you know music over different sort you know services over the years. But I don't want to have to mess around with where those files are and what apps are installed. I like there's one spot I can go to and get um, just about everything but Tool and Taylor Swift. And uh, <laughs> if I feel like an acoustic morning, I do it. And or my favorite for programming is actually Deep Focus, so I have a link for that. But it's just so amazing to be able to kind of listen to what you want, when you want to, you know, it just off a, a, a quick search rather than having to dig through and figure out where all your you know, bot music is. That's interesting that we haven't mentioned that because I, I know I use it. I'm a subscriber. You know what I like about it as much as anything else is the fact that it's on the PS3, the PS4, Xbox One, uh, phones, tablets, computer, like, you can basically use it anywhere. I mean, that that alone makes that application worth the $9 a month or whatever I pay for it because yep. I can listen to music wherever I am, anytime I want. Yep, and now if I want to listen to, you know, And Justice for All, I don't have to, you know, go looking for the tape or the CD or <laughs> iTunes or Amazon. Or try, I don't have to remember which service I bought it through. You right. know, I can just search and, uh, you know, pluck it is the earth. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, on Spotify though? I thought yeah. they didn't have Metallica. I, mm-hmm. Do they have? I don't I'm have to check. I also do have all of their albums on Amazon, so I might be getting it mixed up. I'm not sure. It's I a, mean, you know, because you know, as you do, you have all of the Metallica albums. Yeah. That's just a requirement, right? Yeah, so, it, all the stuff that kind of makes me hate them. The one, th- <laughs> them not having Tool on there is a little bothersome. But you know, I guess who has time for a 20 minute song? Nope, they've got it. They do have it. Yep, man. I, well, I guess uh, I guess Alan's searching foo isn't as strong as yours. Yeah, it, it was pretty terrible, apparently. All right, so I guess that's down to my number one pick, and this has just become a bit of an infatuation with me this year. Is Meteor JS like we've talked about it a few times on the show before? They've just done such an excellent job of bringing a single development environment together that takes care of the server, the client, like live refreshes. It's just, they, it is such an excellent job of bringing a framework together that is easy to start with and easy to write an application with that. It's just, it's fantastic. Like if you ever wanted to just try and prototype something and you wanted to kind of learn how to do some web stuff, Meteor JS is a fantastic place to start the only thing that I'm not crazy about is it's complete tying to MongoDB. And that's not necessarily because I don't like Mongo. It's more got to do with the GPL licensing with it. And the fact that you are tied completely to a NoSQL database, but throw that aside. Like it is probably one of the most complete and easiest to understand frameworks I've seen. And I've worked in a lot. Like you can, as a brand new person, you could get something up and running fairly quickly, like a couple days with this. I've been playing with React JS, I've done Angular, I've done all these things. Dude, a lot of these things take a lot of time and investment and knowledge to get anything working the way that you want it to. 
MeteorJS isn't that way. Like literally, with all you, the popularity Angular has, it is not like that. Oh, dude, Angular. I, I mean, you you did your uh, review thing where you were aggregating reviews for for our site. Yeah, uh, Angular JS is a mind bender, and there's so many hidden things that you just don't know about to make performance better and all that. Dude, MeteorJS is just so easy to get up and running with that it's it's truly an amazing piece of software and a framework that they put together. So that's my number one pick. Uh, you know, but I feel like it's also kind of more though than a react or a absolutely angular. And that's where it gets like, it feels weird to make a comparison of meteor to one of those because it's, it's such a larger thing. If the one thing that you'll notice when you start playing with any kind of JavaScript frameworks, especially for front end UI type stuff like react, we were talking about this the other day for as popular as it is, it provides not a ton. Like it's, it's a very lightweight way to create components for your UI. Like that's what it is. And it doesn't give you anything else on top of that. Uh, if you want any kind of data flows, then you're going to use flux or some other, you know, reflux or one of the other 500 frameworks that popped up around it. Um, if you're doing angular, like there's, there's a lot of, a lot of knowledge and it doesn't take care of your server. Like meteor JS is all of it. And it's really well organized. Like your client code, you put in a client folder and by convention, it will know that this is your client code. So when it compiles it, like it does, you know, it's funny when you play with react and these kind of things, you're going to set up your NPM. You're going to set up your Bowers. You're going to set up your gulp task. You're going to set up your local servers. You're going to set up all these things. Right. And it's, it's a decent amount of work and a lot of things to consume all at once. Meaning your JS, you download it, you install it. You have a web server running because it loads it up for you. You have your database already there. You have your client framework already there. You have your server framework already there. And every time you make a change, as long as you ran your Meteor script, it compiles it for you and updates it on the fly. Your web page will update. Everything just works. Yeah. Well, I feel like you... Oh, sorry. No, uh, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, you know, part of what I was getting at, too, though, is that, like, you know, what also makes it an unfair comparison is that you can use Meteor and angular together you can use meteor yeah. and react together in fact it's built into it if you want to you create a a sample an example to do app using angular it's built into meteor to create that that um to do app that angular to do app or that react to do app right like and that's what i'm saying like it's a layer of abstraction above this thing but it also includes its own thing so you can use angular or you can use react but natively i, I forget what it's called they have their own templating engine and it's like fire or something or blaze <laughs> blaze maybe i can't remember but they have their own so you don't even need those other ones you can do it all with the package you download what yeah, were you gonna it say, is Joe? blaze blaze okay what were you going to yeah, say, Jim? Even the name Blaze. And you guys are messing with me. You just, you just described Cold Fusion, but kind of coming from the other end. No, yeah, wow. little template language. It, uh, you know, you got your CF Ajax stuff. No, but <laughs> I, I hate Meteor right now. You just I'm install sorry. it, and then you just run it, and it'll, it'll take care of compiling and generating everything it needs to. It'll do everything for you. No, you, you were totally making up half of this stuff. So, <laughs> so that's it. So Alan has to come up with a new number one favorite because 
Uh, we no longer like Meteor. Wait, didn't you actually say there was a Cold Fusion conference this year? Oh, my God. Yep, uh, didn't see that one in the news. But, I, yeah, I enjoyed my time <laughs> in Cold Fusion. But, uh, hey, man, yeah, Cold it's not something uh, you probably want to learn if you're coming straight out of school. You know no, what I'm back in the day, it was fantastic, right? When everything was still new, when it was competing with ASP, dude, it was so much better. And if only they had chosen to go the route of making it cheaper, they may, they may actually still have a foothold. But And I'll say, if you wanted to query a database and throw it up on a page, man, there was no faster, easier way. The, you're absolutely right. It was amazing. And it's unfortunate that it took the nosedive that it did. It's, it's crazy. If it hadn't been so uber expensive, PHP wouldn't even exist. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna pour out some Diet Mountain Dew for that one. <laughs> I mean, talking about crazy conferences, I don't, I don't know that we talked about this one before, but there was the the Git Merge 2015 conference for the Git community, huh. which I'm assuming they're going to have another one this April. It was, it was this past April in Paris, so you know if you need an excuse to travel, and I'm assuming that they'll have another one uh, in 2016, but I haven't seen anything for it. But I, I loved the name of it was Git, Git Merge. Merge. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, what a miserable conference to go to. <laughs> what? I think, can you imagine the talk's going to be like really advanced, you know, merging techniques and all the crazy stuff you can do? Like, man, gets crazy. Oh, you mean the, the things with. that you would actually use in your day to day? Dude, you know, like, that sounds great. <laughs> Outlaw would be like a little five year old at Disneyland, right? His eyes yeah. would be big. <laughs> I'd probably be so excited I wouldn't be able to decide which show, which which talk to go to. Yeah, do you think they have a GUI track and a console track? Do I want to go to the bisect talk or do I want to go to the blame talk? Oh my dear God. The merge strategy. Yep. Like all of these sound fantastic. Actually, what they're I'm actually be- sure it's, I, I bet it's way more low level than that. It's probably yeah. like, Hey, if you're developing, forget this is what it would actually need to be though. How to teach other people who don't understand source control, what to do <laughs> with Git. Because that's usually what the conversation devolves into anytime that you're working with people that don't understand source control. Yep. Uh, All right. Yep. So on to the top five that we all agreed on and liked. Except WebStorm should have been in here. What? No. (laughs) No. I torpedoed it. I'm a negative Nancy. He did. All right. So uh, let's, let's take us in number five, Joe. Gulp. So, uh, Gulp is kind of like a little, um, it, it reminds you a little bit like Ant, or if you've used any of the derivatives of Ant, it's basically um, a, a task runner, right? And you can define dependencies. So, I can set up a little task called build, and if that build might have a dependency on clean or bundling or compiling or all sorts of other stuff. And you set up these little tasks, and it figures out what needs to happen. And so what ends up happening is you're able to do a lot of orchestration via uh, the command line. So I can do something like, you know, go publish and generate my website or, you know, move files around or do anything that's not even necessarily related to a build process. Yeah. And, you know, the great thing about Gulp, though, is the collective resource of like third-party plugins that are available to this thing. If you go to gulpjs.com, slash plugins, right? There are at the moment 2,043 available plugins. So the chances are, if you have something crazy that you want to do, there's a good chance that someone has already created a plugin to do exactly that. You want to upload all your stuff to S3 after you're done? 
guess what? There's already a plugin available for that. You want to minify all of your images into more efficient, smaller versions? Guess what? There's already a gulp task for, or a gulp plugin for that. And if 2,000 plugins wasn't enough for you, you can go to npmjs.com and search for gulp, and you'll have 9,973 results. Yeah, and I don't get that. I don't get that. It Well, some of it, you got to remember too, though, some of it's probably written just for Node type stuff, right? I, I, that'd be my guess. Maybe. Uh, it, but the ch- point is, is that like regardless of which place you go to, there's a plugin for that. Yeah. You want to minify your CSS? You want to minify your HTML? Guess what? There's a plugin for that. You want to create doc markdown or documentation out of your JavaScript? Guess what? There's a plugin for that. And the reason why we went with Gulp over Grunt is because Grunt is very much configuration-based, whereas Gulp is more you write the code to do the things that you want it to do. And the other thing, too, is it's handled a little bit differently. You keep piping the output of one one piece of functionality into another. So if you're going to like JavaScript minification and uglification would be a good, would be a good way or a good task that you might do. And instead of opening up the file and then shrinking it all down and then saving the file and then opening the file back up. Now, uglifying that file, the way gulp works is you might call the uh, shrink first and then you'd pipe that into the input of the uglification. So it keeps all that in a stream and keeps pushing it through until it ends up in its destination wherever you put it. So it's a very streamlined process. It's it's quite a bit faster than grunt on a lot of tasks. The only thing you have to look out for is making sure you have enough memory or resources available to do those. Because if you're trying to do you know hundreds of megabytes and, and you keep running it through all these pipes, then you might run into problems. Mm-hmm. But but I'd like that that final destination source to be a, a zip file. There it is. Done. Is there a plug? Oh my god! There's a plugin for that, and yep. it, it, it's beautiful, right? Like you, this is more than just for only programming, right? You can use this to do all kinds of stuff. Like I think Joe said, you did things with images like Photoshop or whatever. Like you can set yep. up some grunt tasks to do like a ton of cool stuff for you. Yeah, and I actually um, I had some PowerShell scripts that I would use to basically resize images and move them to a folder and then delete and you know it's just some minor stuff. Um, but uh, I converted that to a gulp task. I haven't finished yet. But what I really liked about doing that too is by setting it up in this way, I could break this out easily into separate you know tasks that kind of behave like functions. So I could focus on just testing the move or just testing the resize or just testing the delete. And that's something I would normally do in like a PowerShell script by kind of like commenting out the parts I'm not focusing on right now, which is just kind of a you know silly way of doing things when you we can break it apart like that. Hey Joe. Yeah. Do you like Docker? Guess uh, what? Yeah. There's a Docker plugin. Yeah. I'm not surprised. Yeah. So number five, highly like I would say that we like all of these very well, but you know, this one just happened to fall to the bottom. So gulp. The next one that we have that we can all get behind and don't use enough is <laughs> in unit. So we've talked about unit testing on the podcast a couple of times and the importance of it both either either whether you're doing TDD or just trying to create tests to support your application so that you know moving forward people don't break those. In unit's fantastic. It's better than the built-in one uh, with uh, Microsoft's version and Outlaws pointed out several of the reasons for it. We can probably go over it again real quick, but I mean, I think we can all agree that having unit test is 
vitally important to having a successful working non-regression application. Yeah. So, you know, and for, for the Java developers out there, you know, there's J unit, which is very similar. And in unit started off as being a port from J unit, uh, to be a .NET version of it, but now they are, you know, it's been completely rewritten. They're separate, but you know, regardless J unit and in unit, they're, they're very similar. Uh, and don't use MS test, I guess is like the, the real takeaway, um, you know, even if you choose to not use in unit, like I, I know that the three of us are big fans of in unit, but it's definitely uh, way above the capabilities of in of uh, MS test. Um, you know, parameterized hey, tests. That was the example I was just about to say. Yeah. Like, you know, create one test and then have uh, attributes mark on your on your method that pass in different parameters to uh, test that same method. Uh, that that unit test method with different data. I mean, that's a beautiful thing, right? Parameterized tests are a great example of something like of why you should be using in unit instead of MS test, right? You know what? I was just thinking um, for a while there, uh, Microsoft was really pre- uh, pushing testing, you know, when they when they released MS test and they actually have features in Visual Studio where you could like select code and say right click generate uh, unit test. And they've really gotten away from a lot of that. And I feel like they just kind of stepped back and said, you know what? Um, you know, N unit, X unit, you guys just kind of do it better. Yeah, and you know, the beauty of it too is it plays nice with ReSharper. So yep. if you, like me, are a fan of ReSharper and .cover, it plays well with both of those. Um, you know, obviously that's a lot of orchestration, I'm sure, on JetBrains parts uh, to to make that happen. But, you know, it, it's really nice that you can just, uh, you know, see all that, you know, use all of that in uh, unit framework ability but then visualize it and and execute it inside of a uh, dot cover or resharper yep what's next on our list we're moving on up to number all right three so similar to uh one of my favorite picks uh is just playing js fiddle so you know again if you want to be able to just sh- create something and and make it nice and shareable I mean, if you ha- who hasn't heard of JS Fiddle by now, right? It's it's so nice though that you know regardless of what environment you're on, you can always have access to your fiddles. So you could create examples, you could share those examples with other people. Those people can then fork those examples, uh, you know, to to create their own derivatives of it as they need. And all of this you can easily share, right? And and be able to see the visualize the see the code in its separate pieces. And then see the output or the result of that code in one nice place. Yep. You know something I do um, too often is I'll pop open a console to like essentially look up a JavaScript function. Like uh, I'll be like, oh, does JavaScript have a string dot contains method? I forget. And so I'll kind of try to type it. And it won't work. But what's nice about JS Fiddle is, um, you know, for me the, the kind of the value add over the console is that I can pick from a lot of really well known um, JavaScript frameworks and it'll um, you know import that file for me. And uh, also, I can you know take it and then share it. Yeah, the only thing that kind of drives me a little bit crazy about JS Fiddle, and I wanted to point it out, is I don't think you can create separate files. Like some of the Fiddle frameworks out there will allow oh. you to create like file one, two, three, four, so that you can kind of structure it like you would if you were doing the application on your own desktop or something. 
And that was the only thing that ever seemed to like really drive me a little bit mad about theirs. Yeah, because uh, it's broken apart, apart into like uh, separate like tabs, I guess if you right. want to call it that. Or sections, yep. yeah. You got yeah. your HTML, your JavaScript, your results, and your CSS. And, and it, there's there's nothing wrong with it. The only thing that I don't like about it is you can't really simulate or show somebody. Like the whole point of fiddles is usually to to demonstrate something. And what this takes away is the ability to demonstrate how you might structure things, right? Yeah, it, it's definitely kind of flat. And it's, it, you know, you're going to get one CSS file, you're going to get one JavaScript file, and you're going to get one HTML file. Do with those three things as best you can, right? So that that is the one downside if you got to be, you know, a negative Nelly about it. Yeah, sorry Thanks. about that. Thanks, uh, Debbie Downer. But, but it is an excellent resource. There's other ones out there, but uh, I mean, this one's been around for a while and it works well. Yeah, can't argue with their results. Yep. Uh, All right. So moving on to number two, uh, we've mentioned this book several times, and uh, it's never made it into our tools episodes. So now it's uh, time for the design patterns. Uh, the Gang of Four book that we've referenced so often. We liked um, this book so much, we gave it away. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we we got rid of it. We we shipped it out the door. We were done with it. Yeah, I've, I think I've actually purchased this book three times now. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, honestly, is there is there any other resource that you can get as much useful information out of other than this book, maybe? Like, just really improving code. Right, like this is one of the best resources out there. Yeah, and one thing that um, when I first got this book many many years ago, um, you know, I would kind of read the description of the problem and try to think like how I would solve it, and then I go on to read about how they did it, and it, it, they would kind of take this common problem, and they would take the solution that you would kind of like the the you know no brainer or kind of a, a common approach that you might come up with, and then they would really take it to the next level by tweaking your kind of what might have been your initial thoughts on it um, to make it better. Basically kind of using their years of experience to really round out the patterns and um, just kind of, you know, polish them up and provide, you know, nice stable examples of things that you can take and use in other places. And people will know exactly what you're doing when you call something a factory or a builder or whatnot. And the most amazing thing about this book, this is still, the first yeah. printing was it the first that's crazy yeah i you know they got the book so right the first time they didn't even have to make a correction it, yep. it, this has been what almost is it 20 or 30 years ago it is uh, it was the 80s yeah it's a i mean nah, like, i thought it was the 90s let's see here imdb for books <laughs> I don't know. Uh, we've talked about it before. It was definitely a long time ago. Yeah. I mean, it, it really. It, it came out in 1994. I think okay. it helps people think. So 23 years. That's or no, no, 20, 21. 21 years. Wow. It's about to be 22. Man, uh, math and calendars are not your thing. They aren't, right? Um, <laughs> the, what I think what it helps people do more than just seeing patterns, thinking algorithmically about how they do their code, right? Instead of just, hey, let me bang out my code and and you know go from A to Z procedurally, it helps them think about, hey, how can I make this thing to where it's kind of pluggable, right? And, and I don't know. Well, pluggable, I mean, but I'd be careful about the way you described it algorithmically, though, because then that kind of leads one to think, like, in terms of algorithmic complexity. 
right? No, not complexity, just steps, because that's all an algorithm. We talked about it before. It's like a recipe, right? So you think about things as opposed to instead of just, hey, let me do steps A through Z procedurally, let me think about how I could break that out to where if this needs to be expanded in the future, it just kind of fits, right? Yeah. So, But it's not going to get into big O. No, not big O. Right. Yeah. Yep. And actually, if you go to the website and go to um, slash tags and slash design patterns, you'll see all the episodes that we've done on various design patterns. And actually, the first one we did, we talked quite a bit about the differences between like um, design patterns and algorithms. And there's actually some really great comments in those episodes, if you're curious. Yep. And so now our number one pick, and because we all use it pretty pretty much every day, uh, Slack. Slack is actually a great tool. And it's free if you don't want to pay for being able to search through archives and that kind of stuff. It is a fantastic way to collaborate with people on projects if you're if you're not in the same spot, even if you are in the same room, like it could be a great way to share a screenshot or, or communicate with an entire team. I I know that the way that we use it, we'll do it for, uh, for sharing a screenshot, maybe with a markup or notifying everybody with an at everyone or an at channel that, Hey, we're getting ready to shut down uh, or restart a server, right? Anybody have any objections? Everybody will get notified either via their Slack notification or an email or whatever. Uh, the other thing is we integrate it into like visual studio online so that if you update a branch that, that you're watching in that channel, everybody will get notified. Hey, you just merged some code into this branch or whatever. So, um, so in my effort to be more social, I'd <laughs> like to mention codingblocks.slack.com. Yes. I, it, the only you want to interact with us? Yeah. There's another channel. Now, I, I'm not certain how we do this. Does everybody have to request? To, I don't know how this is going to work. So the, in, in fairness. Because there's also like a paid subscription version of Slack too. So there's the free and then there's the paid. And so I'm like, hmm, how's this going to work? But... You know, I definitely, we'll throw it out there. We'll figure it out later. Yeah. You know, more opportunities for all of us, you know, to be able to interact together. So even the listeners to be able to interact with each other. So we're going to give this a shot, give it a go, see how it works out. Codingblocks.slack.com. Yeah. And I don't know how you're going to sign up. It may be something to where you have to send us your email and we set you up an account. I'm not sure how this works yet. Um, again, we're going to figure it out as we go. So, you know, if you guys want to be a part of this, please do contact us either through Twitter, private message, you know, emails at comments at it, but you know, we, we would love to see where this thing takes off or, or goes. So, and you can, you can watch me, uh, Giphy crazy things. And if you don't know what yes. Giphy is, it's amazing. <laughs> You're gonna love it, and and really, when I say that you'll watch me Giphy crazy things, it's really more that I'm gonna like ask Slack to Giphy something that's not so crazy, and then it's gonna go off and do something totally wacky. Yes, but awesome yeah, at the same like time. Slash Giphy space awesome, and you'll end up with like Will Smith on fire, uh, you know, <laughs> shoot, being shot out of cannon. <laughs> yeah, there, okay, yeah, I guess that's awesome. It's very random, but yeah, it's so, a lot of fun. So I I just did Giphy Awesome, and it looks like there's this uh, animation. It looks like it's supposed to be like a, a Bill Gates uh, costume. You know, somebody in, in like you know supposed to look like Bill Gates from the '80s, uh, and him him and his friend doing a crazy dance. 
So it's amazing. Awesome. So if for no other reason, you should use Slack just for the uh, the entertainment value. <laughs> yeah, that is very random. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I think we can all agree this this really is. So I, I think there was an article that even came out that said the biggest time waster is Slack. And okay, so true. Let's be honest, right? Anytime you have any kind of chat. Uh, application that people use, there's going to be a certain amount of time waste, but it's no different than than idle office chat that you would run into if you're, you know, typically if you're in an office environment, people are going to stop by with a random conversation and eat up 15 minutes of your time. It's no different. It's it's entertaining. Gives you a nice mental break from what you're doing sometimes. So, um, yeah, I mean the the beauty of it though is totally. I mean the integrations. I mean we yes. we joke, we just joked about you know some of the craziness that Giphy will do, but there's also like other integrations that you could do. Um, like for example, if you use Visual Studio Online, well now it's Visual Studio Team Services. Uh, you know, there's integrations with that so that like as commits are made, you could um, post a message out to a Slack channel. I might have um, just said that. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah, but I think you were you were busy giffying your awesome. Yeah. Oh man, <laughs> I totally am busted. <laughs> Holy awesome! How yeah. do how do I giffy uh, busted? Yeah, let's see let's see what giffy busted comes up with. Yeah, so I'm looking at some oh. of the uh, the the ones in here right now. Like they have a ton of integrations. Um, man, they have payments and accounting stuff. Project management, social and fun, HR, marketing, file management, developer tools like we just talked about. Like there are so many plugins that are available. Like I think there's even Salesforce plugins for this thing. Uh, it, it's pretty extensive. So yeah, and um, uh, actually, uh, it's funny that you mentioned the accounting app thing because uh, I just uh, read an article and uh, listened to MS Div Show podcast that uh, interviewed the person who wrote it, talking about how they. Um, this company moved away from doing mobile apps because, um, for basically expensing stuff because it, it was hard to get traction with people. They didn't really want to interact with their phone in this way. So they uh, kind of pivoted and changed their app into a Slack bot. And what they found is it was much more successful because people were already in Slack doing this sort of thing. And so it was just kind of for, easy for them to, to message the bot and say, you know, here's a receipt. Very cool. So we'll have a link to that. Very cool. Yeah, so definitely, again, please come join our channel. Have some fun. We'll have some code talk. We'll have some random talk. You know, we'll have whatever talks people want to have. Yeah, and this thing is really cool. Like, um, you can have custom integrations into it. So, like, let's say if you use Visual Studio Online, <laughs> then... <laughs> oh, did you already cover that? Uh, oh. We might have. Uh, uh, whoops. <laughs> it's Groundhog Day. All right, so number one, uh, Slack. That was that was it for the uh, things that we all like. Yes, yeah. That, so we've covered what twenty things. How about that? Hey, my my math isn't completely terrible. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so in the resources we like section. Yep, uh, I got one book here. the The author actually reached out to us about possibly doing an interview, but we, you know, as you guys have probably noticed, we just don't really do that sort of thing. But the book looked awesome, so I went ahead and bought it and started reading it. Um, and it's Beyond Legacy Code, Nine Practices to Extend the Life and Value of Your Software. And um, I kind of feel like I spend much more time wrestling with legacy code than I do almost anything else. Certainly much more than you know, implementing design patterns or 
um, you know, coming up with new algorithms. So um, I definitely think it's a good thing to, to kind of be knowledgeable about. So I wanted to share that with you guys. I mean, let's be realistic. When have you ever seen a job for a developer where they said, hey, what we want you to do is come in on, on day one. You're going to write something brand new from the ground up. Nobody else has started it yet. It's all you. Yeah. Go. We have no opinions. We have no ideas. You get to do whatever you want. Even, even I don't care what it is. Even if it was something that was only started three months ago, if you just start on it, that three-month-old code is legacy to you. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And when's the last time you worked on code that wasn't just broke all to heck? Oh, dude, I never do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we got to get into Alan's favorite section here. This is the tip of the week. This is the tip of the week. Hey, we're actually getting closer to the week thing, right? Like this has been this will be like third or fourth. Oh episode. man, don't it's jinx it. Too, don't right? jinx it. So our next episode uh, will be coming to you in three months. Um, <laughs> all right. So my tip of the week is actually programmableweb.com. And it's pretty interesting. When I was looking for like little projects to do in my ADD uh, state of being. I was looking for APIs like, hey, how can I do something that people will actually get something useful out of? Because a lot of the tutorials that you see out there are like, okay, let's pretend that you're doing an Ajax call out to somewhere and that you have to wait on a response. And I was like, man, I hate this pretending stuff because there's so many things that go differently when you're working with real live latency, right? So. I started looking around and there's this programmable web thing and they show you all kinds of tons, just tons of APIs that are available. And if you go to the link that I have there uh, that we'll have in the show notes, one of the cool things is they'll show you what are the top APIs that people use or search for. And you can actually go and either sign up or just use these things freely. So it's really cool. If you want some data to be able to program like a little, a project with or something, this will give you a list of APIs that you can just go out there and use. So, yeah, I mean, examples to what Alan's describing here, just on the top, when I, when I went to the link, uh, Google maps, Twitter, YouTube, Flickr, Facebook, that's just the top five that are in there. Right. So like, these are all APIs that are, that are real, that are available right now, that if you got some idea that you wanted to write some code with, but you just don't want to use a fake, API. Here you go. Yep. Really cool stuff. I think NASA's got some cool ones too. So you could make a, you know, a little um, app for like wallpaper of the day or something using um, some, some of their images. Very cool. Yeah. Um, so for mine, I wanted to mention Indigo Studio. Now I mentioned um, Jiffy, uh, Gliffy as one of my uh, tips or not tips, sorry. Um, one of my favorite tools and it is, um, but I was kind of looking for something that was a little bit more advanced and full disclosure, um, you know, Infragistics is a sponsor of this episode and many other episodes. Um, but I, you know, I legitimately was searching for rapid pro- prototyping tools and came across it and gave it a trial, um, gave it a shot, and I actually really liked it. And um, it's kind of like uh, wireframing on steroids. So um, some of the things that I really liked about it is had um, really like kind of complex abilities for my wireframe so i could say like if you swipe here or if you touch or you tap or you hover then you know show this pick instead of that one or navigate to this spot and rather than um something like gliffy where i kind of you know that my output is um you know either a link or a pdf or an image or something like that this generates html so i can actually save like a little website 
and someone will link and they can actually kind of click around and it's got some basic support for um, you know some kind of basic memory type stuff and is also really nice for um, sorting different resolutions so um, it's basically got support for uh, being responsive I should have said so if I can um, you know shrink my resolution down on my window I'll actually see how these things kind of pop into place for something like a you know a tablet or a phone and that's just the kind of stuff that you're never going to get with a static image so I thought it was really cool um, I haven't spent a whole lot of time with it so I didn't want to say it was you know one of my favorite tools obviously but uh, if you're looking for a rapid uh, prototyping tool uh, there's some pretty awesome stuff out there all right so um you know for my tip of the week we've talked uh, in great detail about how we love our large monitors and how awesome they are for development except here's the one thing that you know first world problem with that is is that the mouse is so itty bitty and you lose it on these giant great big monitors so uh with the release of el capitan they one of the features that they actually mentioned in the keynote was the ability to find the mouse when you've lost it on the screen by just jiggling the mouse back and forth and the mouse automatically you know dynamically grows in size so that you can easily see it and then it shrinks back but um if you're on a windows environment it doesn't do that but windows has had this feature built into it for quite a while now so you can go into your or similar feature where you can go into the control panel uh, into the mouse properties right and click on the pointer options and there on the bottom is a uh, selection that by default is not checked and it says show location of pointer when i press the control key so when you lose your mouse on that 34 inch widescreen monitor you just press your control and then some a circle will radiate around the mouse and help you find it now i usually end up you know bang on that control key several times until I see it, but eventually I'll see it. <laughs> um, you know, ultimately I like the El Capitan version better because, uh, the mouse is, you know, a little bit more, um, you know, in action, maybe might be the way to rephrase that versus that the circle is, that windows does is a little bit smaller, but Hey, it's better than nothing. especially when you've lost your mouse and you're like, Oh my God, where'd it go? Um, but it being, the Christmas, you know, or sorry, Star Wars season, <laughs> I thought, hey, you know what? I've actually got a couple other ones that I should mention too. Um, so we've talked about SQL formatting in the past, and I don't know that we've ever talked about this tool though. Um, we've talked about the poor man's T-SQL formatter for Notepad++ in previous episodes, but there's this really nice, if you want to stay within visual, um, SQL Server Management Studio, uh, there's a really nice free plugin uh, by Apex SQL called Refactor that you can uh, install and plug into it. And, and it will uh, it'll offer you three different um, options. There, there'll be like a, a format SQL button uh, drop down, and it'll have three different options of ways that it could format your SQL. And it'll also have some other, um, it'll also provide some other buttons. So if you want to, um, um, oh shoot, what was it? Uh, if you have any unused variables 
then it'll find those and remove those from your script. Or if you want everything to be properly uh, sourced, then it'll it'll fully qualify everything. Uh, it'll find you know all the tables and everything and fully qualify them if they haven't already been. So it's got some really nice capabilities in it. Um, full disclosure, that full fully qualified feature will take a moment because it'll actually go looking through the schema to find out, you know, what's what, um, as part of it. So it, it does take a moment. Um, but just from the formatting point of view, what I really liked about it is just the consistency. Like that's one of the most frustrating things is when it comes to SQL is like people have their own formatting, uh, preferences and some have no preferences. And so, you know, sometimes you just want like some order in the world and so uh, it's nice to be able to stay with inside of uh, your SQL Server Management Studio environment and reformat that. Is it out of beta now? Because yeah. I used that thing. Yeah, it's out of beta. Back in the day, and I uninstalled it because formatting complex queries, like not not just a single query, but like let's say that you had a store procedure that was doing temp tables and all kinds of stuff. If you'd format it, it would actually erase half of your code, and. I like about the third time it happened to me and I slung my keyboard across the room. I was like, okay, it's gone. I can't take it anymore. But that's been, that's been a couple years ago in all fairness. Uh, so I haven't ran into that scenario. Um, I've definitely had, you know, I guess it depends on your idea of, of what you call a crazy table or a query. Um, you know, definitely with it, nested, uh, queries and things like that. Like I haven't run into any problems yet okay. with it. Um, but Hey, your mileage may vary. I don't know. And, uh, in keeping with the star Wars theme, uh, the last one that I wanted to talk about here was use the force force touch. So, um, no, actually. And I'm surprised you've never talked about this. We've talked about, um, a couple episodes back, we did a lot of, uh, I think it was like episode 13, 14, maybe. Uh, maybe someone can uh, check that for me. I don't know. Uh, maybe I can check it. Um, there was, a, we talked about uh, about database, you know, um, queries and, and whatnot. And I believe during one of those uh, conversations, we talked about um, uh, using a, a no lock option. Right, I think we've discussed this before. A sequel hint, right? That it that it was, and specifically that it's only a hint, right? But there's this other great hint that you might want to use, which is called force seek. So let's say that you're doing a query, and um, you you look at your execution plan and you see where it does an index scan, but you know that you have an index on that, and you and you think it'd be more efficient that it just it just seek it then you can provide another hint, which is called force seek to hopefully tweak some extra performance out of your SQL query. So it would look something like, you know, select, select star from table, uh, with force seek. Right. And, uh, it, you know, it was, it was pointed out to me and I thought, Oh man, that's an amazing little option that I hadn't ever uh, noticed before or ran across. And so I thought I'd share it. Very cool. And wait a second. How are you going to mention Star Wars and SQL and not mention use the index, Luke? <laughs> <laughs> this site has got great 
information on SQL indexes and um, it's Oracle, Postgres, all sorts. It's got quizzes to see how much you really know. It's just a fantastic little um, site here. And because SQL never freaking changes, even though this is uh, many years old, it's all 100% up to date. That's not true. <laughs> they've they've added windowed functions and you know various things over the years. Talk to yeah, me they've, about they've, dynamic sorting. They've introduced one thing, according to Alan. <laughs> Well, dynamic sorting, nobody actually uses that, Joe. And paging? <laughs> nobody uses that. They Wait, just... <laughs> what, didn't you have a tip last episode about paging? I'll just say it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, okay, so so just for clarification, it was episode 13 and 14 where we uh, talked about everything database-related um, that we had to talk about at that time. That That was also that second, I believe the second of those two was the one where I lost my voice. Totally. Beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> Maybe where Froggy comes out to speak. Yeah, it was yeah. a little rough. Uh, uh, so good times. Yep. All right. So that's it for this episode. So uh, we hope you like this iteration of our favorite non overlapping tools. Uh, <laughs> and you can check out www.cuttingblocks.net slash episode 21 to hear uh, other stuff that we really like with no overlap from last year. Yeah. Yep, and um, we'll be back just as soon as Outlaw finishes his second class setup in Call of Duty. Oh my god! With our next episode, so <laughs> that don't don't put that because then people are gonna really think that <laughs> I'm taking that long. They're like, "Hey, why haven't we got our next episode out?" It, it's totally that. It's, it's totally Michael's fault because he's still setting up his class for Call of Duty, and yep. you know it doesn't even matter because we already need to turn it off. Yep, that's true. All right. Well, hey, subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and more using your favorite podcast app. And uh, be sure to uh, go on to either iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you prefer to get your uh, podcast and leave us a review. And if it's not iTunes or Stitcher, uh, be sure to let us know. We, we would like to know some of these other places that uh, you're finding us. Yep. Uh, contact us with any question or topic and leave your name and preferred method of shout out. We'll mention you on the podcast. And visit visit us at codingblocks.net where you'll find all our show notes, examples, discussions, and more. And this episode specifically will be www.codingblocks.net slash episode 37. And we want to hear your feedback and questions and uh, your rants. So send us a message at comments at codingblocks.net and uh, follow us on Twitter at codingblocks. All right. And don't forget our Slack channel. Yes. Codingblocks dot slack.com yep come join us and let's have fun and we'll uh we'll talk to you soon yeah <laughs>